Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. The Shane train. All right, time to cash in. All right, Shane, we have a lot going on in the world of sports right now. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're uh, kind of in a, in a little bit of a lull. We're kind of in the middle of the baseball season. The Phillies uh, rained out tonight. Uh, the NBA Finals are over. The Stanley Cup playoffs are over. Football is not here yet, um, but we have a lot of drafts coming up where we're getting into free agency and the NBA and NHL. So let's, uh, let's do a Shane train and just try to cover as much as we possibly can uh, on the show. Just topics kind of uh, some local, some, some from around the country, some, you know, that will uh, generate a larger discussion, some that are, that are pretty quick. So um, I'm going to start with one that has really nothing to do with anything other than the nature of this podcast. And it's something that, um, I was thinking about I was thinking about a little bit earlier. Um, if you could go back in time, the Shane Train stop one. If you could go back in time and give your young gambling self one piece of advice in terms of sports gambling, what what would that piece of advice be? Take the under. Really? Uh, you see, I, I think that mine would just be like just always take underdogs. That that's You'll probably eventually come out profit profitable. Yeah, eventually. I mean th- that's it. Typically, your average better bets favorites and the over because you look at it and that's what you want to root for. You want to root for your team or the favorite. And you look at a good, especially in like sports like the NFL, where where that's my bread and butter. Like the, the, in that, in the NFL, I would always recommend taking the underdog. Just take the points because these are the most talented people at that position. Like they, they simply, they were all alphas on their, on their high school team. They were Mm -hmm. all alphas on their college team. And then they get to the NFL and they run into, you know, the, the, the best of the best. And it's, it truly is any given Sunday. So I, I would say, uh, I would say unders, unders and underdogs. I think that's a, uh, that's fair advice. Yeah. I think that, especially in the NFL too, it's like such a competitive league. And I think that's just like the basic science that bookmakers put into things is that people want to see a lot of points scored. Um, they want to see, uh, you know, they want to see a competitive game, which which I think in, in their mind, they equate to a lot of points being scored. Um, but you're right. I mean, they're, they're so competitive uh, at this level. It's it's crazy. And it also this is this doesn't have anything to do with, with this question. But have you seen this uh, baby Gronk kid? There's been about 10 players named baby Gronk <laughs> since Gronkowski was, you know, at the peak of his levels. Uh, who Who is it this time? I don't know the kid's name. I don't know where he lives. I th- I believe he's 14 years old. Oh, that kid. Yeah, 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 I've seen him. Yeah. So his dad basically said like, and his dad's very, Le- he's probably worse than LeVar Ball, honestly, because he kid's so young, but um, he very just openly, like matter of factly just said like, no, before he was born, like I had a plan for him and, you know, he only eats chicken and brown rice, like all this crazy stuff. And, and, you know, it just gets me to thinking like, there's a very good chance, like, you know, that kid plays at like an, you know, like an like an FCS college and we never hear of him again. Cause it's just like, all right, he, you know, he's 13, 14 years old, whatever he is. Like, as much as you force this stuff on kids, you, you have to remember that like genetics factor in. And the dad doesn't appear to be like a world class athlete or anything. So it's kind of like like you just get to a point where the competition is just so much greater. And, and I was listening to a podcast uh, um, earlier about uh, Penn state football. And it was, it was, they're just talking about like recruits and things like that. And just the, 
the, the difference between playing football at Penn State and playing at Division three is is incredible. Like the, just the level of athlete that gets to that level alone. And then you're, you're saying, all right, we're going to take the best out of this group and they're going to go to the NFL. Like there's more than just working hard. That's a huge part of it. But I think you have to have just some God given ability at any level to be like that competitive. So I feel bad. Like when, when you get stories like, like this kid, who's, you know, dad is just completely insane. Um, and the other really good example that it was not a good example to make my case, but it was the, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Like Equimenium St. Brown or whatever. For, he plays for the, the receiver for the Detroit receiver? and like yeah. Amon Ra St. Brown might, might be the other one. Like they're, I forget the three. Amon Ra is on. Okay. Yeah. So Amon Ra is on Detroit. Uh, I, the, uh, his brother is on Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So their, their dad was completely insane, but he was like a world-class uh, bodybuilder. Um, and like his, his name was John Brown and he gave his kids insane names and changed their last name to St. Brown because it just made them stand out more. So if they're being recruited, you're going to remember Amon Ross St. Brown as opposed to, you know, Joe Brown. So that guy was insane, but they also had the the fact of like having a world-class athlete for a father, which just gives you a little bit of a genetic gift. Uh, so, we're getting so way there off topic is, here. So it's there, just well, crazy. Well, there is some, something that goes into obviously parenting that, that, that makes athletes who they are. If you think about even someone like, uh, uh, Darren Swift, right? Who for for the mm. Eagles right now? His father is a bodybuilder. He owns a gym. So having that level of commitment to your physique obviously will help a player get to where he needs to be, and 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 informing that level of discipline. Yeah. There's also the examples of someone like I know you read the book. I think you gifted it to me at one point for Tiger Woods, right? Mm. So Tiger Woods' father was was very similar. If you were to pick a sport, let's exclude golf because I, I think that's 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 probably the the I want to say the easiest example, but let's exclude golf. What would be the if you're starting and going with this this style of parenting? What sport would be the easiest for your child to succeed in? Oh boy. Um. Well, I mean, I think that like, you know, m- my child would probably be be fairly tall, so I, I would just assume basketball. But again, it's not like you know, I was in the NBA or anything like that. I think if you're just teaching a sport and if you're like, I, I, I can't, I can't golf. So I could never teach anyone how to play golf. Um, I, I mean, I think like, I, and this, this always pisses people off, but I think the easiest sports are soccer, field hockey, lacrosse, because guess what? If you're running like a four, two I mean, anyone can really carry a a ball and a stick and just run past everybody else. And, and in college, I covered a lot of this stuff for, for the school I went to. So I, I saw it firsthand. Like if you were really fast, uh, that's an incredible advantage in those sports. So maybe one of those things, but my kid probably wouldn't be that fast. So I, I don't know. I mean, I could be like, like Andre Agassi's dad and he like made his own, uh, like tennis ball machine called it. I think he called it like the dragon or something. <laughs> like, I guess I could do something like that where like, I don't even know the sport, but you know, if you just hit a thousand tennis balls a, a day, I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Besides, I mean, I think golf is, is the easiest one just because it's an individual you're playing against yourself, right? It's an individual sport. You're not reacting to what someone else is doing. Uh, so I try and think back to some of those more non-team-based sports that you can really hone in on. Tennis comes to, yeah. comes to mind, but you, you, you do need to be an incredible athlete to, uh, to be a tennis player. So, uh, luckily for you, the, the height comes into play, um, like a soccer goalie, maybe with, yeah. with the height. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But it is weird that like the two fathers that I think of in terms of just like 
being insane and pushing their kids where the kid actually got to the the height of that profession are Tiger Woods and Andre Agassi. Um, you saw like a Todd Marinovich, the Marinovich project, I think it was a 30 for 30 or maybe one that just an ESPN documentary or something that um, came after. And his, his dad was completely insane and just burned him out. Like he was, he had a, you know, he was built for football, but, but was just, just burned out by the time, uh, by the time it, it came, came for the payday. So I think that happens too. Um, I don't remember where we started on this, uh, but um, yeah, I, I think that, I, I think that, it, it just you have to have a blend of a lot of things to become a, a professional athlete. The question was, uh, what piece of gambling advice would you give your younger self, by the way? <laughs> All right. Uh, this guy's father played a little basketball uh, in his day, uh, Tobias Harris. And if, uh, NBA draft is Thursday night on Fridays, Tobias Harris, a sixer. Does he get moved on draft night? No, I don't think he gets moved on draft night. I don't think he gets moved on draft night because the. Sixers are not doing anything and they don't have a draft pick. Uh, I don't think they will be moving to get a draft pick. I think their moves are going to be more, um, more veteran based. So do you, so before I, before I dive too far into this, do you have other Sixers questions within this, uh, Shane train? Um, <laughs> no, not, not what okay. you're thinking. No. So, so then I think it comes down to not just about Tobias Harris, but what does James Harden do? Because I know he is between Houston and possibly Phoenix. Phoenix is off the table now. We'll probably talk about that later. The Houston is very still still very much alive because they have the cap room. However, at this point, I think it's it's more likely that he becomes a, a sixer at this point than goes to Houston. Uh, that would be where I lean. However, I see there's another path that the Sixers could take which would be one of two things. One would be uh, James Harden going to the Golden State Warriors in a sign and trade, and the Sixers getting Draymond Green back, as well as signing Chris Paul. So that's one option that I think the Sixers could go just full in, try and get the two veterans to come in. Chris Paul teaches Maxi. You have Draymond as the backup for Embiid, also in the pick and roll game, and you just try and get that 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 toughness that that you know Embiid had talked about two years ago. I think that's one option. I think the other option is if you look at trying to get someone like Damian Lillard, which I think in that case you might have to trade someone like Maxi and Harris, where you're trading the contract for another player. Um, I think that's less likely to happen, just because I, I think they're going to hold on to Maxi. As long as they can, and I, I don't know if uh, you know, in that case, they would sign James Harden. So you'd have Harden and Lillard and and Bead together. I think that's less likely to happen, just because as a rebuilding team, I think I think the draft picks are a little more coveted than than a than a young star for someone like Portland. Uh, Portland. Yeah, if I think that the the there's been three teams mentioned in having interest in, in Harris and it's Indiana, which makes the most sense. Detroit, yeah. um, pretty stupid, stupid organization. We can probably, we can probably uh, fleece them. And then Cleveland, which, which I think would be, would be interesting. Um, and then the reports are all, well, the Sixers are, are asking a King's ransom for, for Harris. And it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Just say, we'll take that's, anything for him. Like, well, I that's mean, that's just start, part yeah. of it. So, um, so I, I think the most, most likely scenario 
for me right now, and it's so boring, just like the coaching hire was boring, is uh, Harden signs for a quote-unquote team-friendly deal, which if they give him like a year and however, you know, 20 million or whatever, that's way too much. Like he's going to make more than he he deserves, I think, at this point in his career. Um, I think that you do trade Harris. Hopefully, you know, Indy would be great if you can if you can get Buddy healed. Um, hopefully, you just get some some shooting, some defense uh, coming back around. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of how it's going to look um, moving forward. The other thing is the other note, I guess, is the Sixers are seem to be determined to get a second round pick this year. Um, and all, all signs are like they're working their asses off to figure out a way to do that and maybe do deal Harris and you end up with a second pick in this draft. But they're also talking about just like basically trading a team, giving a team money, just cash for, for a second round pick. That, so, that tends to happen. So who, there's who got, do you think they would target? With well, that? There, there's got to be, there's got to be a guy who they think, I, I mean, my, my, my hunch is there's a guy who they're thinking like we could probably get as a undrafted free agent, honestly, but he might go, you know, in the last five, 10 picks of the draft that Maury just loves. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably I know a guy who can shoot the lights out. Who, who do you think? No, I would actually go the opposite way. I think it might be really? Oscar Toshibi who just a can, rebounder just to come yeah. in and when Embiid's not on the court, because yeah. the Sixers were not a good rebounding team this year. So when Embiid's not on the court, just a guy who can come in there and get rebounds. I mean, we have Montrez Howard is going to opt into his contract for another year, but he, he can't play. Opt Paul out. Reed. Oh, he did. I didn't yep. even see that. He, yep. So somebody uh, must want him. <laughs> I guess, Paul, you know, you have people, Paul, but he, uh, you know, he, he can't really stay on the court because of his, his foul, foul trouble. We'll see how he does under a new coach. Maybe, He's, maybe that helps. Yeah. I he, think he, he has his moments where he plays well, but uh, man, it's, it's tough but, to, to feel confident playing him out there for, I would say what we need, which is MB to have to only play 32 minutes a game. Well, I, I do like, I do like that idea of, of Oscar Sheway who can, I mean, the guy was, you know, getting 18 rebounds a game in the SEC, and he's not you know overly big or anything. Um, so he he's doing something right. He's he's hustling. He's active to get just to get rebounds. You know, playing angles, things like that. A lot goes into it. Um, but on, on B-ball, Paul, I, I like he he's such an active player, and and yeah, he he struggles a lot defensively, and he's always committing those fouls. But I just think like Nick Nurse has to look at look at this guy and be like, yeah, like like we can work with this because this guy really is all over the place. He's active. He's high energy. Like he's a good guy off the bench. But like you said, the foul trouble is going to going to hamper him. So I think that if they can sort of figure out some way to to rein him in a little bit, um, but but still kind of keep that spark when he comes off the bench, I think that's that's huge for the for the Sixers. But yeah, I, I like that. I like that thought of 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 you know kind of a guy who played a lot of college basketball. Um, you know, uh, under John Calipari, which which you know doesn't hurt in the case of Maxi. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I, I think that could be that could be something there. Um, so I, I do think they're going to end up with with a second round pick in the draft. But um, I'm probably with you in that they don't move Harris uh, on draft night. I just don't think that they're they're going to be. I don't. It doesn't sound like they're anywhere near a deal with any team. So, do you think um, there's think, a chance that Maxi is moved for a veteran player that? can be paired with a hardened return to, to win now to form some new big three. No, um, no. Do you think Maxie's untouchable? Yes, I do. Um, because I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe Damian Lillard is better than Maxie next season, but the season after Maxie will be a better player than Damian Lillard. Correct. That's, will, will Embiid be Embiid in two years? Uh, he probably, well, 
How old's Embiid now? 29. 29, I think. I don't know, 32. Uh, he, you know, it's actually going to really depend on. Let's see what let's see what Nick Nurse does. Nick Nurse has a history of of playing guys huge minutes. Yeah. Um, I just I, I I think that he's he's not he's not an idiot. Like a guy of Embiid's size, it's hard to do that. Um, but if he if he's playing a lot more and the Sixers go deep into the playoffs, like you hope, you are putting a lot of miles on him. He he's not a LeBron James type guy. That that's for sure. It's a totally different body where you know you. 38 years old and dominating is probably not going to happen for Embiid. Um, but I think that, I think that at, I do think that when you get, you know, say, say you're two years down the line, um, I think with, with Maxi and Bede and, and, you know, maybe another player you kind of pick up along the way, you, you probably are competing for a championship. So I think that he could still be part of a team that can be through a championship. I do think next year is really the year. I think Harden's feeling that more and more, um, which, which would, you know, probably motivate him to 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 resign on a quote again a quote unquote friendly deal for the Sixers. Um but but I do think that like the step they want Maxi to take this season is is an absolute leap. And and yeah. the guy's shown he he can do it. He should I be mean, a French all-star player. Yeah. I, I well yeah absolutely I think that's that's what they're what they're banking on for the for the season for sure. Yep. Um so yeah that'll be uh it, it's Again, for not having a pick in the draft, it's it's pretty exciting to be a, a Sixers fan around the draft. All right, um, I, I'm I'm so excited for college football. I, I just couldn't help myself here. Um, and, and you know, you would think that at this point in the in the off season, there would be a lot of talk about you know, is Georgia going to three peat? What's Alabama got going? Clemson are they on the rebound? Uh, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Who's coming out of the out of the Big Ten? Um, but all anyone's talking about is the Colorado Buffaloes and coach prime <laughs> Deion Sanders. Um, I circus probably too kind of a word for, for what, what's going on there. I think the guy's a total fraud. Um, I have a, a bet in already for the season. I, it might be my lock of the next 10 years, but let me put it on you, Shane over under four and a half wins for Colorado football. Keeping in mind, they were a bottom five program in the, in the country last year. Can Coach Prime get them to five wins? I would say over, and I think the reason oh. is he had he had a lot oh. of transfers come with him. So and... he's so he bring he brings in uh, arguably the best the best cornerback in the, in the country. He he was the number one overall recruit in his class, and and Travis Hunter. Uh, he brings in his kid to play quarterback. That might go well, might not. <laughs> um, gets guys coming from from all over the place to 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 fill in the positions, but. You got you got to get the team to jail, and this guy's not a good coach. This is it's, it's an act. I, I I firmly believe that, and and I think that that you know the level of football he coached at last is, I mean, no offense to any of those programs, but it is leaps and bounds below even Colorado. So um, you said it was four and a half wins. Four and a half. Okay. So I, I don't think I don't think they sniff three. Let's let's toss this at you. Uh, the number of toes he has by the end of next season over under five and a half. Um, <laughs> uh, over, I'm going to have over. Okay. I'll keep those toes. Uh, yeah, he, he's a lunatic. I think he, I think he's a fraud. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to uh, somebody who's definitely not a fraud. All right. Uh, Lou Williams, my favorite sixer of all time, uh, retires, 
Uh, retired officially, I think, last week. Um, he is the NBA's career leader in bench points, which I think that being the greatest bench player to ever live should get you in the Hall of Fame. I'm just going to start that campaign myself if I have to. Um, Allen Iverson's already behind me on it. Uh, all right, but Shane, what is your lasting memory of Lou Williams with the, with the Sixers and his time with the Sixers? First couple of years. Oh, what they call it? The, the night shift? That, that was one with like uh, Reggie Him, Evans. Dad um, Young. Wait, there was oh, I gotta find that was this. like that was the nickname for the bench unit before like even Golden State had their like a uh, death lineup or whatever yeah. it was. Like that's the first like nickname I can remember in the NBA for yep. a bench lineup. Like not a not a starting five, like you know, the bad boys, whatever. But this was <laughs> um they were I mean, they just hustled. They 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 got done. I, I think Lou Williams, I actually when he was on the Sixers, I actually went back and watched, I found it on on YouTube a high school game of his after I found out that he was, mm. he was drafted at a high school and it was him versus Kevin Durant. And wow. there was someone else big in that game on Lou Williams team, I believe, but Lou Williams cooked at that game. He was the best player on the court. And I was, I was surprised to see that, but uh, it was, um, yeah, I, I would just say he, he could score on anyone. He, he was, he's a bucket. So he played at, I think it was called South Gwinnett high school in, in Atlanta. And I'm trying to remember there, there was some, there, there was some reason. I don't think it was like a, like a disciplinary thing or anything like that, but there was a reason he fell to where he did in the draft. Cause I think it was a second round pick. Um, and I, I maybe it was just, I don't know, maybe it was just size. I, I really don't recall. Um, but there was some reason he fell. And I remember just, I, I like, I like, I, re- I remember watching him get drafted. Like I knew where I was sitting. Um, and it was just kind of like, okay, this guy, like this guy could, could work. Cause at the time it's all about Iverson and to go like another small skinny guard. And, uh, you know, Lou Williams had a great career. And I think that, um, for all, you know, the stuff about Allen Iverson, maybe not being the greatest teammate, he really took Lou Williams under his wing in those early years. And you can see a lot of Lou Williams game was, was kind of passed down from Iverson. He certainly learned a lot from, from, from Iverson. And, and I remember, um, in Iverson's Hall of Fame speech, he, he talked about uh, he talked about one of his first games in the NBA. Um, Kevin Johnson from the Suns, I think had I think he said it was like thirty nine points, nine rebounds, nine assists on Iverson. And he said after the game, Iverson just sitting in his locker crying. He's like, I can't do this. And uh, Mo Cheeks came up to him and was like, Hey, in a couple of years, you're going to do that to somebody. So the Sixers, Iverson's, you know, now an MVP established star, Sixers draft, Lou Williams, and Lou Williams' first practice, Iverson just destroys them. So so Lou Williams is crying. And again, Mo Cheeks goes over to Lou Williams and is like, he does that to everybody. <laughs> like, don't worry <laughs> about it. So, um, yeah, so I think that they, they had a, a, you know, an interesting bond. And uh, I think he took a lot from Iverson. But, you know, the one the one play I, I remember from him was uh, uh, they were playing the Heat. It was the Boss James, Wade Heat, and uh, – it was it was three zero going into game four, and it was like all right, it's one eight. The Sixers don't have a great team, but if they could win a game in the series, like it would be cool. It would be meaningful. And um, I was actually at the game, and Lou Williams hits a shot with maybe like hits a three to put the Sixers up one with maybe like eight seconds left. They end up winning the game, and that that's probably the the lasting memory I'll have of Lou Williams because he was also the first. There, there was a shift in this where people who made buzzer beaters or big shots used to get like excited. And Lou Williams is the first person I can remember who did like a stone face thing. Like he would make those shots and just stand there without any expression at all. He's the first person I remember doing that. I'm sure Kobe probably, probably was the first actually to do it, but, uh, but Lou's the first I remember doing it. So uh, yeah, my favorite sixer of all time. Um, Just, just 
I, I just, there's something to be said for you're bringing a guy off the bench and the other coach now has to put in their best player to guard him. And there's, guess what? He probably can't guard him. So there's something to be said for, for that. And uh, the guy won, I think he won three, six man of the year awards. And I think he had over 17,000 ever. Uh, yeah. Over 17,000 points off the bench. So we're going to get him in the hall of fame. Miss bench points, miss bench minutes. Is that right? Yep. Most he bench has Del Carey for a bit. Miss bench. Minutes. Wow. 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 Now I wonder if it was Del Carey. Cause I, I only remember Del Carey from, from 2001 when the Sixers played the Raptors in the, uh, um, in the Easter conference, uh, semis. Um, I, I just remember Del Carey making a lot of big shots there. And I remember he had like a little gray thing in his hair. And that's, that, that's my last memory, but I thought he started for that team, but, uh, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Del Carey was a really good player. So that's good. Uh, good company to keep for, for Lou Williams. All right. Let's talk a little more football here. Uh, currently, the Eagles are at plus 800 to win the Super Bowl. Those are the second best odds. Uh, Penn State is further down the list to win the national championship. They're at plus 2,800. Shane, what's a better value bet here? Eagles plus 800 to win the Super Bowl. Penn State plus 2,800 to win the national title. Penn State, absolutely. That's the yeah, best value so. at this point because within the Eagles season, I mean, they're as you mentioned, they're they're expected to win a lot of games. So what you really want to do is wait for the Eagles to drop two in a row. They, you know, they had a great year last year. They're probably not going to repeat that same level uh, that they had this year just because they're playing a more challenging uh, schedule than they did last year, right? They're going to have the toughest division of any NFC East team because they're playing all the number ones from the other divisions. So that being said, wait till the Eagles drop two in a row. After they drop two in a row, the odds will drop. That's when you can get the value on the Eagles. For now, the value's on Penn State. Take them before they, you know, win five in a row and are going into you know, uh, going into an Ohio state game or a Michigan game. Yeah. And then it's pretty much over if, uh, if, if they win, you know, I think they play, I think they play Michigan first, if I'm not mistaken. No, actually, I don't know. Actually. Yeah. So, so with Penn state, I mean, they're, they, they should win the, the early games, right? So as they win the early games, their odds are not going to get better, right? If they lose one of those games, their odds will get better. However, they won't make it into the national championship. So now's the best time to bet Penn state. Agreed. Agreed. And I will be all right. Uh, NHL draft coming up as well. Um, Connor Bedard, generational talent, Victor Webanyama, generational talent in the NBA, both going to be the first pick. Uh, when it's all said and done, who has a better career? Victor Wembanyama. You think so? I do. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going. I'm going Bedard. Okay. I'm going Bedard. Uh, I, these guys could very well both just win MVPs and championships and all that stuff. I think they're both that advanced as to where they are. Uh, but I'm not. I'm, I'm going Bedard. I think at this point, I'm, I'm going Wembanyama, and I think it's because I... I look at the organization that they're going to, or that he's going to, he's going to the Spurs. It's, it's more, it's, it's not like he's going to Detroit or he's going to, uh, Orlando or, or, or Charlotte. One of these, one of these franchises that has not proven to be able to develop one of those talents in, in quite a long time. You know, you think about some of the, uh, you know, Kane and Taze, but those guys in, in Chicago, they've had changes over in their ownership and their coaches and in their GMs over the past few years. So I don't have the same level of confidence that they'll be able to develop a Kyra Bedard the same way that the Spurs will be able to develop a Victor Wabanyama. So I did a little bit of, uh, I did a little bit of, of homework on this just to see if there were, you know, and again, we don't know how it's going to end up for these guys, but just see if there's any maybe crossover in, um, uh, you know, in, in each draft to see if there were, 
you know, maybe generational players or talents or what have you. So, uh, the, the, I, I got to dig a little deeper, but I looked up LeBron. And so the first uh, pick in the NHL draft when LeBron was drafted was Mark Andre Fleury. Um, and then I looked up uh, Connor McDavid and the f- first pick when McDavid was drafted, Carl Anthony Towns. So um, I think the uh, basketball one, hockey one there. All right. Moving on. Oh, this one got me excited. Do you remember Slam Ball? Yeah. Yes. So I think Pat Croce had something to do with it. Okay. Well, it's coming back. And I watched uh, about 40 minutes of YouTube clips of old Slam Ball. So ESPN bought the rights to it. I think it's going to be on like ESPN 2 or ESPN Plus or something. Um, so Slam Ball, for, for those who don't know, was um, basically uh, basketball and hockey mixed where you could like check in things. Um, but once you got inside the three-point arc... <laughs> And it sounds fake when I'm saying it. It was tra- all trampolines. So there were trampolines built into the, the, the court, for lack of a better word, uh, once inside the three-point arc. So it was like hardwood outside or, or concrete or whatever it was. And then you could jump and like tackle each other on trampolines and do crazy dunks. Uh, so that's coming back. Uh, I, I'm interested. In it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tune into at least one and then probably never watch it again. I went to a birthday party last weekend at a uh, trampoline park. I, I don't know exactly what to call it. Oh, yeah. And they had uh, two lanes and they were basketball dunking nets. And oh, really? It was, yeah, it was, um, you know, like a, it was more like a dunk contest than slam ball because there, there wasn't any co- uh, defense or any checking, but exciting nonetheless. All right. Uh, back to the NHL draft real quick and, and now in terms of the flyer. So you're Daniel Briere. Uh, this is, you know, an admitted rebuild. You currently have the seventh pick and the 22nd overall pick uh, in the first round. And then you have eight other picks in later rounds. So there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing, I'm sure. But if you're Briere, what are you doing? Are you taking the players at each seven and 22 and saying, you know, we can get good players, certainly at seven, probably at 22. Are, are you packaging them and trading back, trading into, you know, drafts next year to try to try to get a higher pick next next year? Because you're obviously going to miss out on the best player in this draft. Um, w- w- what would your strategy be going into it? And and you don't necessarily need to, you know, factor in every player that's going to be available. It's kind of an overall uh, overall strategy of how to maximize your potential for for this year and years to come uh, through through having this embarrassment of riches in in this draft. So what I heard from Briere's press Briere's press conferences is that they the Flyers organization believe this year's draft is a deeper draft class, not just at the top with Connor Bedard, but also with some of the first round talent and early second round talent. So. With the Provorov trade and only getting was it the twenty second pick from from Columbus? Yep. It it looks like they are confident that they will be able to get a player of the future at that pick. If you look back to previous years, I mean, you know, Jeff Carter was around pick eighteen. There was uh, even Claude Giroux, I think, was pick twenty. So there there can be these deeper drafts where you can pick a you know a gem from the rough. And I think that they are going to pick. I think they're going to make. Uh, all of their picks this year, they may trade, they may lose out on one by trading up or gain another by trading down. But I expect them to really try and start to build this out through the farm system again. Uh, so I expect them to make as many picks as possible this, uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that, you know, seven, you're going to get a really good player and, and, you know, you do your homework, you could get a guy who, who can make an impact, you know, sooner than later. And you can do that at, at 22 as well. So I, I think that, um, 
you know, drafting guys, you're, you're going to be young. And and I think that some GMs just like w- when you say it's a rebuild, and, I, and this I, I don't think is the way Pereira's thinking. I think as an ex-player and, you know, a highly competitive person, um, you know, some guys are saying, well, we'll we're going to, you know, just keep keep stockpiling draft picks and I'm going to keep my job for it'll be job security for me for three years. I think you have to say I'm, I'm sold on these guys, draft them, get them in, let's work with them and let's get a move and let's get this rebuild over over quick. You know, let, let's start winning some games soon. I think the best way to do it with, with the kind of, you know, obviously you're 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 getting rid of Provorov, um, Kevin Hayes and Tortorella. There's there's reports that they're they're just you know, oil and vinegar, that's just not going to work together. So they're going to get rid of Hayes. Um, you know, you're going to be awful, but I do think that, that you just stockpile what you have. And like we talked about last, last episode, there's some good, good, just, you know, cutter go to you. There's guys in the, you know, farm system that could, could make an impact soon. So, um, but I, I do agree with you. I think that, that drafting these, these picks and, and trying to, trying to speed up this process is, is probably the smartest thing for Brian to do. And I think what he will do. Yeah. And, and, and you just look at the hires that they've made with uh, Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire yeah. coming back to the organization and they, their titles are very vague. It's like special assistant to, you know, uh, player operations or whatever. But really, I think what that means is, and, and Briere himself have worked very closely with Travis Konechny throughout this previous season mm-hmm. in terms of his on ice play. And typically you don't see that. Well, this before Breer had that, that GM job, but I think what Breer is saying is like, let's get some hockey guys in here who know how to play and they can just teach these guys. Like aside from just a coach, let's get former players who know very specific things. We'll pair them with players of their similar caliber and we will just teach these guys. We'll, we'll grow them in house. So that's what I expect to see. So I, I expect a, a very, a youthful crop of players to come into the organization, whether that's with the Flyers, with the Phantoms, and and they're going to just teach these kids how to how to play hockey at the the professional level. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think that that you bring in you know you know an older guy like Leclerc who, who's certainly been around, younger guy like Sharp who who players are going to listen to, I think, and and respect. And and Tortorella seems to be okay with you know he was okay with Briere working with with Konechny. So I think I think it's one thing. You know, it's always. When you when you have people within your organization developing the talent, I think it's great. Of course, professional sports have gotten so backwards now, like you could almost attribute every issue Mark Fultz has in his career from like the uncle's friend who was teaching him to shoot like laying down or whatever. So I think there's that that stupid shit that happens all the time where um, you know, guys are, are kind of getting coached up outside. But I think that the Flyers have at least a plan where they're going to say, okay, Tortorella is going to be the X's and O's guy, but but I like it's it. okay. They're, We're they're putting responsibility yeah. on themselves. It's on it, us. Yeah. It's on it, us right. to do this. And they're yep. they're they're not going to point the finger at anyone else besides themselves. And I love that. I love that accountability. Yep. And that's why they bring this guy's in. All right, Shane. A couple more stops on the Shane train here. Um, again, this one really not about anything going on right now. Um, but but kind of an interesting, uh, interesting discussion i had with with somebody uh did you see the uh the most recent uh guardians of the galaxy movie not yet all right so it's awesome um but i, I was i was talking to a buddy of mine who who also saw it and uh and he said i think that the dave batista who plays uh drax in in those movies um he's in a i think he was just in the m night Shyamalan movie but he was like i really think he's the best athlete turned actor so it got me got me thinking about it. I don't think Dwayne Johnson's a good actor. He's the most notable one, but I do think David Tisa's probably has more chops than uh uh than 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 The Rock might. Um but it got me thinking about about you know the best athletes turned actors. Do do you, do you have anyone in mind? 
uh ronald reagan maybe <laughs> didn't he play like right. football for i don't know harvard or whatever right. uh so so the list i found the mountain um was he, was he like a bodybuilder yeah he's an extreme bodybuilder all right so the list i found was either guys who were professional athletes at tried acting um and and ray allen's one from he got game one of my favorite movies and he's great in that but he only did it once um others are guys who um were sort of like i I don't want to call it like they were they were kind of actors who like had some sort of athletic past like joel McHale was a tight end at the university of washington he never really played you know that kind of thing um i did find you know one that's probably interesting so i don't know if there's two that are actually really interesting that i found one you know jason lee who's in like uh he's in like mall rats he's in chasing amy he was earl yeah, and my yeah. name is earl so jason lee was actually a professional skateboarder okay i did not uh, people apparently knew about that so i think i think he would be up there for me and the other one is is mark Harmon. so mark Harmon played he was a legitimate football player at at michigan um and now he's on like the ncis show so i think that that could be a good one too um but yeah it's it's interesting to go through uh Charlie Day was a was a baseball player. Baseball player in college, yeah, that's true. Um, so basketball. So I'm I'm thinking like as as you're talking about that, I'm, th- I'm thinking mainly well, as I start with the with the NBA, and you have LeBron James, right? Yeah, he, he's in a few. He was in um, a train wreck, and I thought he train wreck. He was great. I, he was so funny in that. Yeah, he was so ba- well. The whole spa- second Space Jam legacy was was terrible, but uh, that leads to <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to. Uh, Michael Jordan in yeah. in the original Space Jam. Uh, was obviously was excellent in that. Um, even thinking back to, well, I thought you were going a different way with the NBA. Well, co- coming back to the the most recent one, which was uh, Adam Sandler's movie, and there are two actors in that. Ah. Uh, I thought uh, Anthony Edwards was was incredible in that smaller part. Um, Juan Hernandez Gomez was the lead actor in that, as you know, uh, paired with Adam mm-hmm. Sandler, who was mm-hmm. great. However, of the NBA, the one that I would point out is uh, Boban. He was in uh, John yeah. Wick Three and was incredible in that. I think he's been in a few other movies since. And a Goldfish commercials with Tobias Harris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, again, I, you're still well. Well, there's two people now that I that that jog my memory because i wasn't even thinking about the um hustle movie i was thinking about uncut gems with with kevin garnett Ooh, yeah. um, which was actually supposed to be Embiid, but um yeah garnett was awesome in that but uh i, I mean shaquille o'neal you ever heard mm. of a little movie called kazam yeah yeah <laughs> so, um and then shaq was in uh I, I just watched that he's in like grown-ups two or something like a shitty adam sandler movie um yeah there, there's there's quite a few um denzel washington's son john david washington who was in like uh, uh black Klansman and tenant um he okay. played played some college football uh john cena's one he, he's been in a couple of movies i think he's pretty funny um oj simpson can't leave him out mm. <laughs> phenomenal actor <laughs> um uh kareem abdul jabbar of course from the airplane movies he was good um and then they're getting into uh well ronda rousey was in that movie i think it was called like mayhem or chaos or something which i actually enjoyed and she's just kind of running around like kicking people's asses all day. I don't really know what it was. <laughs> or no, maybe that was Gina Carano, actually. Anyhow. Um Gronk's been in a few of recent as well. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't make this list. But uh, you know, another one was Burt Reynolds. I didn't know that Burt Reynolds was uh was much of an athlete, but uh but yeah, he he made the um he made the list. And uh and of course uh, Tony Danza, I have no idea what his athletic prowess was, but uh he's been in a lot of sports movies. Uh, <laughs> was he a outfield. Kicker? <laughs> yeah, the, the garbage kicking was it garbage picking, field goal kicking, Philadelphia phenomenon. Great that's movie. It. Uh yeah, so you know, that's uh a lot of people uh 
a lot of people have tried acting from athletics and a few have succeeded. So that's what we can take from that. All right. Uh, Christoph Porzingis, have you seen the, the trade rumor slash basically deal getting worked out? That's going to send uh, Porzingis to the Boston Celtics. Uh, looks like Malcolm Brogdon will go to the Clippers. Um, a couple other moving pieces in there still to be worked out. Uh, Shane, what does this do for Porzingis going to the Celtics? Does this, does this put them over the edge? Are they winning the title next year? Are they going to be favorites? W- what does it do? Uh, I don't think it puts them over the edge. I think it gives them uh, more depth because of that stretch four lineup that they that they like to run between Al Horford, who's getting a little bit older. He's more the the defensive anchor in that unit, along with Robert Williams, the third. Uh, but I think right now with that lineup, they have Robert Williams, the third, sort of in no man's land because he can't do much offensively aside from his dunking ability from lobs. Mm. So if you fit uh, Porzingis into that role, They'll take a little bit of a setback from his uh, defensive blocking ability. However, Przingis surprisingly is a very good rim defender. Uh, however, on the offensive end, now you have someone else who can knock down threes. And I think even in the Sixer series, you saw Brogdon was one of the better players in that series offensively. It seems like he didn't miss a three-pointer the the entire series. But instead of having Al Horford go over eight on on you know every night, you have Przingis who can. When having those same wide open shots, it's going to force someone like Embiid to actually have to to stretch out and cover him. Now, on the defensive end, Embiid can you know dominate him down low, but I think it does add some lineups that provides a little bit more flexibility because the surprisingly the Celtics, although they don't have their point guard um, that they I, I'd say might might still want, and Chris Paul could be an option there. I think that. They have enough ball handlers between the amount of time that Jalen Brown and Tatum handled the ball that they they did have either White or Brogdon uh, be more dispensable. Um, of course, you have Smart still there from the from the defensive end, but um, I think I, I wouldn't say it puts them over the top, but it's an interesting change of change of a uh, approach that the Celtics are, are taking to 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 try and combat with some of the moves that the other Eastern Conference teams are making. He's coming off a season where, you know, a talented player has good numbers on a terrible team. Um, but, it, it, you know, he's played 82 games in two years for Washington. He played 34 uh, in 2021-2022 season for Dallas. In 2020-2021, played 43. Um, you know, as I always say, the best the best ability is availability. Uh, and this guy's got to stay on the court. And, and again, he's coming off a year where he played 65 games and played really well. So that that's fine. Um, but I, I think you are rolling the dice a little bit. And I, and I do think the Procton was a big part of that team um, last year. Do I think they're better moving forward with Brzingis? Of course. Um, but I don't know that, you know, I'm probably with you. I don't know that this makes I don't, I don't know if that's a, to win a definite though. I, I think, I think Brogdon is underrated in terms of what he brings to the table. So in terms of their, their talent, I think it's pretty even at this point, although Przingis is absolutely the bigger name. I think people oh, yeah. still remember Przingis from being drafted fourth overall with the Knicks, but he's been on four teams now. He's been on that many teams for a reason, right? Like oh, yeah. Yeah. if he was a superstar, he would still be on one team. So I, I think it's in terms of talent level, it's just a different set of skills. So I think the the Celtics need to figure out how that set of skills works out with uh, with their two star players. 
Well, if you ask any Celtics fans, there's absolutely no way that's ever going to happen because their coach is horrible and they need to fire him right now. I think they've, they've gotten over it, though. Um, yeah, you know, I think that that Brogdon was was certainly the most undervalued player in the NBA uh, by NBA people because I think that they traded like Daniel Tice for Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> I think that was that was a deal. Maybe there was like a cash consideration or something involved, but uh, he was very undervalued. And now I think you're right; he, he is underrated because you know we saw firsthand in, in seven games um, everything that 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 he's done. So, oh, I. This is weird, Shane. It's 1030 at night on Wednesday. We literally just talked about that. Did you just get the ESPN notification? No, I did not. Uh, talks of the three-team deal to send Wizards, Christos Porzingis, the Celtics have fallen apart, both sides moving on. Huh. So, so I guess clean that up in post. <laughs> um, you, that's Woj reporting it. Uh, it's also funny when I when I saw this no headline. Real so story. Literally, right after we talked about that. Two I seconds felt- after. I saw the score rather than ESPN, and I got one earlier that was like Celtics pursuing Porzingis, uh, pursuing Porzingis, and then an hour later, Celtics blockbuster brewing. I don't consider this a blockbuster. I consider this like a you know a you know a third yeah. or fourth best yes. type player. Like it's not a blockbuster. Yeah. No, no, right? no, no. I consider no. it like a Beal trade a blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's odd. That's really. I mean, I don't know. It's all about clicks, but yeah, yeah it's all about. Yeah. And like, like you said, people know Porzingis' name just. Just because of because of the nature of being Przingis, he was one of the um, first. Like I think the first time I really heard that term, like unicorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guy can kind of, uh, well, supposedly could do it all, huh? but I don't know. He's, I don't know. He he just, I think he's a really good player, but we'll we'll see what happens. Oh, I agree. He's a good player, talented. All right. Uh, last stop on the Shane train. Uh, we are going to the depths of the ocean to talk about this, this Titanic. Have you, have you followed this story? <laughs> yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, a bit, that's a bad taste even for me, but you know, billionaires should maybe just, you know, let sleeping ships uh, lie. Um, all right. So my first question, do you have, would you have any interest in, and in not just this kind of thing, but this sort of like, you know, this sort of a- adventure, uh, tourism, like like if if you had an opportunity yeah. to go to, to go to Mars or something, would you would you be on board? Absolutely, really. Yeah, I I wouldn't do this if they paid me two hundred fifty k to go down there. No, I do absolutely no well, no interest. <laughs> so apparently, on the first the first page of the contract, they need to sign it mentions death three times. Uh, had I oh, known really? that, yeah, in the first page it mentions death, like the the possibility of death three times. However. <laughs> Had I known they were using a $30 like N64 controller to <laughs> to power this submarine, I would I would not sign uh not sign away that disclosure. Uh, uh but first off, it was a Logitech controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's fast it's fascinating. It's, it's some of the stuff coming out about it, like they were um um what do they call it? Like the ball- like the ballast. They were just using like like scrap metal, just like old pipes that were taken out of like destroyed buildings. And then that's that's how they were like you balancing the weight or whatever. Um, yeah, it was all kind of uh, and you know what, Logitech is is they're obviously not at fault for this, but their their name is coming up a lot. And I'll tell you, the favorite gadget like I own or that I ever got, I think it was like twenty four dollars, and it's a Logitech wireless keyboard, and it's like it's yeah. like as thin as a sheet of paper, like it's great, and you can use it on your phone stuff like that. I love I love the thing. I take it everywhere. Yeah, the um, the like the first mouse I ever bought was Logitech. The first like yeah, w- I think uh, I have a wireless mouse too. wireless yeah. mouse, and it lasted for yeah eight years something yeah. like that. Yeah, so they're gonna that, that controller is gonna Still last. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I the stories of like you know what what could have happened. I, I guess they were saying like everyone you see, all the experts who 
like you watch the news and you see these guys who are like, uh, you know, underwater explorers. Every time they get on one of these like talking head news shows, they're just like, no, no, they're dead. Like there's <laughs> no, no chance of saving yeah. them. Absolutely dead. And and they all get really pissed off because they're like, well, when you send a bunch of tourists down there, it's, you know, no margin for error and shit like that. Um, I, I think that, yeah, it was, it was probably, and, and it looks like the company kind of ignored a lot of warning signs and, and different, uh, uh, regulatory bodies, I guess, that that look into this stuff are like, hey, you're not ready to do this. Please don't don't attempt it. Um, yeah, but I would have no interest. And I also like thinking about this, like, all right, the Titanic, like I'm I'm semi-interested in the story of it, but like I don't like I wouldn't I'm not interested in like any kind of like it's weird. Like I'm not interested in like any kind of tourism like and I know it's of historical significance, but if, if it's like tourism, like in a tragedy, like, like I wouldn't be interested in going to like a nine 11 memorial. Like I get what yeah. it's there for. Like I wouldn't be interested in like seeing Auschwitz or something like that. Like it would just gotcha. be like, like I just have no interest in that. So let alone getting on a rocket ship or at a submarine to go, you know, up or down far. I, I would just, <laughs> just not, not happening. Um, another cool thing I, I heard, not, not about this. Um, well, sort of, but you know, a lot of people are talking about like just how deep the ocean is. Yeah. Um, which is wild. Only but, like 3% of it is explored. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. so I, it was, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. He, I forgot. I, yep. forget, I heard him on a podcast something he was talking about. Um, like, so they just said, like, what's like a fact about Earth that people don't acknowledge or think about? And he basically said, um, if you were just a, 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 an absolute giant and you were, you were able to, hold earth in your hand uh yeah i think it I would this. it would be like the smoothest object you could imagine yeah he compared like, it to a cue ball yeah because the highest point on earth and the lowest point on earth are relatively close in terms of like when you compare it to earth's size yeah so it's wild to think about that because it's like all right the tip of everest and the bottom of like the ocean floor which we're learning is incredibly deep it's still earth is so massive that yeah it wouldn't even it wouldn't even factor it would feel like nothing when you yeah when he compared to a cue ball he said you'd be able to run your fingers along a cue ball and you can't feel the ridges even though you know that there are dents yeah. in there from people playing with it yep. that's that's what earth would be like crazy crazy um so on that uplifting note we're gonna hop off the uh the chain train hopping off the chain train a few for you that we didn't oh, touch boy. on within the chain train uh the bradley beal trade what what was your first reaction when you saw this come across Con- confusion like i like I thought I like kind of almost read something wrong. Cause I, I know that there was there, I had so many things in my head with, with Beal and, and the sons, but never like really connected those dots together. Um, but I guess my, my, my first thought is like with, with whenever they put this kind of thing together, um, how do these pieces fit? Um, you're working in a new coach. You have Kevin Durant, you have Devin Booker, and now you're adding Bradley Beal. Is it a fit? Um, I think it eventually will work. Uh, and I think that it takes some, some probably some pressure off of Booker more so than Durant to have a guy like Beal running with them. Uh, so I think that, I think that it, it's, it, it's an odd, I don't know. It's, it feels, it feels, and, 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 and Beal was the only guy in the NBA with a no trade, with a no trade clause. So he could Correct. pick where he wanted to go. So it feels odd to me that that's what he, shows but Bradley Beal knows a lot more about basketball than me so he probably sees the fit there so I think that it works out um, but I was just a little bit like taken aback by the trade like it was it was a little bit of a surprise to me my first reaction was why did Washington do this 
Oh, they're cleaning house. I, right, well, now, they, now they are, yeah. They are, but they got back Chris Paul, who mm-hmm. they are going to try and move, but probably yeah. will end up waving. Mm-hmm. Landry Shamit, who has a contract in which he may be traded to someone this year, but if not, it's a non-guaranteed contract, so they can waive him after this year without owing him the final, I think, two years, $26 million or whatever that is. Right. And then a bunch of second-round picks. So I understand that Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause, but they could also say, suck it up. Like, you're, you, we're not trading you for pennies on the dollar to wherever you want to go. Like, give us five options and, you know, whichever one gives us the best. I, I know he has the final say on it, but they can they can always just say, okay, just play out the season. Because eventually what's going to happen is Bradley Beal's going to get upset. He's going to demand a trade and they'll say, play, don't show up. You'll Like, similar to what happened with Simmons, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the, he he failed to show up if because he, he was so unhappy. If Beal gets to that point, then then what? You're you're collecting money, and it just turns into a lawsuit. But I I don't know. I, I was I was shocked that they only got back second round picks for him because if you just think about what some of these other players have fetched over over the like even what Durant fetched, I, I would think Beal's worth half of that, right? Like maybe two first round picks or a first round pick and a first round pick swap, but. All second round picks. I, I, I'm shocked. I, w- I was absolutely shocked by that. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> like the Sixers, the Sixers could have offered them the, the, something better, right? They could well, offer them uh, two first round picks in 2030 and pick swap in 2029 or whatever that is. Uh, maybe Beal said no to the Sixers if they uh, even yeah, offered it. Uh, I, I think. Tobias Harris and those. I mean, maybe they said no, but I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm surprised that that no trade clause came that much into into play and the and the and the wizards didn't say okay play out your contract here for four years and be unhappy i think that it it, the only thing i could think of when you see the compensation packages he just said i'm 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 playing for phoenix i'm not playing at all so trade me to phoenix and and maybe washington said we'll get ahead of it not have a ben simmons situation I, i mean it's probably not the smartest thing for your franchise and it's a like you're rebuilding but you're starting it in the dumbest way imaginable. Yeah, right before uh, there's this. So. I mean, it's similar to what the Flyers are doing. Like they're doing this rebuild the the year after there's a generational type yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't the Suns trade him? I mean, I know he is injured. He is injured. Let's so trade him going yeah. into last year. And the difference, the difference is the Flyers have made good moves at least since the ship has been righted. This is just an odd, odd, odd deal. Um, and it's and it's like you would think that. Harris would maybe make sense for well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think a team like Indiana that isn't going to tank and is going to try to get over the head, maybe that works, but maybe like you have this guy on this huge expiring contract. Well, uh, yeah, I would think that just that Harris you can flip again to someone like to someone that 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 may want him, right? So yeah, I mean, that's yeah, what they're trying to push, do with yeah. Chris Paul right now, but I I don't know. I, I have a feeling Paul's gonna get waived and oh. he's gonna get to choose where he wants to go because the reason I think that is because he's on every single podcast that I can see right now <laughs> telling his side of the story, yeah. which makes me think that he's trying to get waves so that he can yeah. pick where he wants to go rather than be forced to go somewhere like Detroit and and be the pretty much one-year coach for, um, what's his name, Kate Cunningham. Yeah, that makes sense. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself.
Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?